0: You're
1: listening to the Packer Net Podcast Network.
0: For Jordan Love. 37, here he is throwing in the middle. It's caught by Watson. He's got great speed. Turning the corner. Christian Watson down the sideline. And he will score. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like, all right, this Eagles team sort of has this thing under control. And then Christian Watson hits the Jets again. Six touchdowns now in the last three games. He is really something when he gets in the open field and running. That was some throw by Jordan Long, too.
1: What's up guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. And also had a listener reach out to me. And ask how can I support the show? Um, you guys know I try not to talk about this. I feel awkward talking about it. However, we've had people reach out in the past and say, "Hey, I really want to support the show. Do you have a Patreon? Get you know how can I how can I help the show?" Um, first and foremost, support Packernet before you support Packers Total Access. Okay, make sure you're supporting Ryan and everything he's doing there first. And if you are already doing that, and you're like, "Hey, I'm already on board with that," but I want to support. Packers total access as well. Then you can find me on Patreon. You just go to patreon.com forward slash Clayton Bailey, C-L-A-Y-T-O-N-B-A-I-L-E-Y. I want to thank everybody that that uh, that supports the show in there. It's absolutely awesome. We're in, a, we're in the process of getting some stuff ironed out with uh, Twitter, YouTube, and other social media where we might be able to create an avenue there if you guys are uh, you know more in, involved with those sites. But also on Twitter as well. I've got my Venmo up there. I haven't checked that Venmo in forever, I'll be honest I, you know, there there may be something in there. There may be nothing in there. <laughs> probably need to do that. I need to put that on the short list of things to do. But on today's show today, first of all, I want to lead off with the big news, okay? Um, it just dropped a little while ago. And if we've got time at the end, we're going to hear from Mark Murphy, okay? Um, but just wanted to make the announcement. You guys have probably already heard. The NFL draft will be in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in and around Lambeau Field. For the 2025 NFL draft, um, so obviously not this coming draft, but the one after that. I just told my wife; uh, she's out of town in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Just told her on the uh, on the phone, "Hey, guess what?" She went nuts. She said, "Let's get let's get tickets now. Let's get let's get the hotel booked now, right?" <laughs> she's she's way more fired up than I am about it. However, how awesome would it be to go to an NFL draft at Titletown, Lambo, wherever they're going to have it? We're already. Me and her are already wagering bets on where it's actually going to be held at. I think if you set it up inside Lambeau Field, oh, my God, how awesome would that be? And some people were saying, well, the weather could be bad yet. Yeah, the weather was bad in Kansas City and people uh, still showed up. Obviously, the stage area, all that will be covered. So um, just uh, it's just really cool, man, that. That, uh, you know, everything they built in Titletown, and you've got to give credit to Mark Murphy for that, the vision that they all had, it really started with Bob Harlan building the atrium, just literally putting a business attached right to Lambeau Field to make it a year-round destination. And I remember when they first did that, you know, I'd just become a Packers fan, and i go up there and see the atrium, and everybody's just raving over it. Um, it was just uh, its the coolest thing to see everything unfold the way it has. And now you've got the uh, the tailgate area there with the, uh, the indoor tailgate party, you know, pregame party uh, zone. I can't remember the exact name of it. At one time they called it Tundra or something. Another time it was sponsored by Johnsonville. It still may be. Um, and then you kind of spill over into Titletown. I remember going to Kmart. Um, there was a Kmart that sat just across the street uh, or, you know, not too far from Lambeau Field. The very first time I went to Lambeau Field, we went in that Kmart and got some pregame stuff. That's where Titletown sits now. So just to see all of that kind of come to fruition, right? And it's because of you guys hearing my voice. It's because of you guys and gals, the Packer fans, that made all this happen. Um, And it's just awesome that, like I said, Bob Harlan and Mark Murphy kind of, uh, I don't know, they came through on the promise, right? And making it a year year round destination, and that's something that's always going to uh, cater to the Green Bay Packers and keep business strong. So, like I said, if we got time at the end of this pod, we'll kind of hear from Mark Murphy and his comments on the draft. I just think it's really really awesome. But on today's show, what we're going to do is talk about <clears throat> we're going to talk about roster projection a bit. You know, we got OTAs that are kicking off uh, today. I, I'm going to try to make this go live here on Monday evening. Um, however, it may be Tuesday before it goes out. Like I said, I've got a little bit of time this week. I'd like to do a show pretty much every day this week uh, as often as I can, at least up up through Thursday maybe. Um, and I got the green light from Ryan to do that. So uh, we'll, we'll try to get you guys some content out. But with OTAs kicking off, I thought let's take an early look at, at – This roster and how how it may form up. Right. And everything on this show. I don't know if you guys have caught on yet or not, but I wanted this show. And the reason we named it Packers Total Access is because we wanted to come from an angle of as if we were in the building. Right. And we're working in the front office. Right. Or we're watching game tape. Uh, you know, for for the coaching staff or, you know, everything other than being on the field. We wanted to kind of give you guys an angle with the podcast where you feel like, oh, I didn't realize the team, you know, operated that way. I didn't realize those are the things that went into that decision making. I didn't, you know, it's like why we covered the Devontae Adams, uh, you know, departure there on yesterday's pod. Why did we do that? Because we want a little bit better understanding of how we got to that point. And it's not necessarily was it the right move? Was it the wrong move? This guy's to blame. That guy's to blame. It's about understanding how you come to that point, and when you uncover the details of that, you under you then uh, get a better a better handle on how the organization is operating behind closed doors. And that's really the whole purpose of Packers Total Access. So uh, let's just jump into it. You know, your 90-day or your 90-man roster. It really begins with the end in mind. You know, anytime you do an exercise like this, and and the team like. Guys, they when they're going in with that ninety-man roster, they're already thinking. Here are the fifty-three guys. Now there's people on the cusp, and there's always these surprise guys that end up making the team. Your Tyler Davis's—I can't remember one person last year that was just like, "Oh, Tyler Davis is a shoe in for the roster." He ends up making the final cut, right? And uh, and we all joked about it all year long. But you're kind of going in with that that end in mind, understanding that everything isn't going to fall into place, you know, one hundred percent, you know, perfect. Uh, So you have – basically you have to have enough bodies at each position to run camp practice, right? you got to have camp arms. They say it all the time with quarterbacks. Oh, and by the way, there's a new rule that I think is getting voted on either today or tomorrow where they're talking about that teams will be able to carry a third quarterback that will be active on game day that won't count towards the roster, if I understood correctly. They're basically making it easier to carry that third quarterback because of what happened in San Francisco last year when – you know, quarterbacks went down and, and they kind of got in trouble with that. So we'll keep our ear to the uh, to the streets for exactly how that rule is going to be put in place. And, and, you know, does that count towards the 53? Does that count towards, you know, can they be a practice squad but just activate that one specific position on game day? I don't think the union will have a problem with that at all, simply because, you know, if they, uh, you know, from the union standpoint, it's one more person that's going to make a roster. Therefore, they're all about it. Right. So um, just keep keep your, uh, you know, keep an eye out for that in the news breaking. And again, um, you have to go in with enough bodies. You got to have enough camp arms. You got have enough camp legs. You know, we made a cut at the kicker position. We'll talk about here in a minute. We're down to one kicker. I don't think they're going to camp with just one kicker. Right. Um, because you, you've you got to have other people. You don't want to wear that guy out. Think about how many times you got to, you know, kick the ball off when you're scrimmaging and things like that. Right now, I know you got a Jugs machine, and they got this. They've got this really, really cool Jugs machine. Now, I don't even know if Jugs is the actual sponsor of it. I'm, that's how old school I am. We we always called every machine a Jugs machine, but they had it to where it can actually simulate specific quarterbacks and specific punters, specific kickers of how the ball comes off of their foot, comes out of their arm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you can literally program the AI. Ryan just went nuts if he's listening to this anytime you mention ai that guy is he's on the edge of his seat and i'll tell you his pod yesterday was fascinating i'm not gonna get off topic here but it was fascinating just talking about how you could utilize ai and and some people are kind of setting their ways and oh no that, that isn't what determines a good team no but it's a it's definitely a factor it's definitely something that you can use as a tool you know gil Brandt did it a long time ago guys when it comes to using computers and everybody thought he was crazy lo and behold that's the system we use today as far as input and scouting information and all that. So with that being said, um, you know, I don't, I, I kind of feel like you gotta have an extra kicker. We'll talk about it here in a second. So each team, what they have is they've got a target number at each position for the final 53, whether any coach, any front office wants to admit it or not, they have this outline, right? They've got this, uh, this architectural, I don't even know how to say it. This, this, uh, this diagram, this, um, you know, this blueprint, if you will, of, Hey, here in the ideal scenario, the ideal situation, here's how many quarterbacks we would have. Here's how many running backs we would have. Here's how many wide receivers we'll have. And, and, you know, depending on how the roster is structured, the talent that you've got on the roster, the people that you think will clear waivers, make it to the practice squad that you can call up at a later time, all that comes into factor with how how close that falls into that blueprint that they're working off of, right? Now, your your number one priority obviously is to have the best team possible. Hands down, case closed, you want to have the best team possible. And the number two priority is every rookie draft pick making the roster. Why is that? Because of that contract we talked about, right? It's so important to be able to utilize, maximize and, and put into effect those four year deals that was collectively bargained um, for rookie contracts, especially when you're playing the cash over cap game, which we know the Packers are, they <clears throat> they are right in the middle of doing that <clears throat> at this moment right? Like you can see the way this roster is structured. You can see the voidable years that are on some players, uh, you know, contracts on down the road. And I was going to kind of break down contracts and the salary cap a little bit today, but I kind of shot away from it because there's so much to talk about just within this roster and the people that are currently on the roster. So your number two priority is to, uh, is to, you want every single rookie draft pick to make the roster. Now we have 13 this year. If, if I remember correctly, 13 rookies guys, If all 13 of them make the roster this year, we can put this to bed and go, okay, moving forward, it's going to take a whole lot for someone not to make the roster, right? And you got to keep in mind that injuries do play a role, right? Uh, uh, There's many of these questions that we're going to bring up here in a second revolving around this specific roster, the 2023 Green Bay Packers. There's many, in many cases, there's decisions that are going to be made simply by injuries because someone is too banged up to start the year and they got to start on Pup. And that freed up a spot for this guy who otherwise wouldn't have made the roster. That's definitely something that's going to come into play. But given we don't have that information, we don't have a time a time machine, right, um, we're going to kind of go off what we got. Now, last year's first 53-man roster, let's kind of talk about that. And again, injuries can sway this, but I just want to – I think you've got to keep the information, uh, you know, as the recent information as close to you as possible, right? You've got to – that's your go-to. I don't care what they – Carried two years ago three years ago four years ago we're not going to take the time to dive into well that's only because this player was hurt that player was hurt this guy was suspended whatever it may be right Um, let's just go off of last year's roster construction last year they carried to make up the 53-man roster they carried two quarterbacks two halfbacks seven wide receivers four tight ends ten offensive linemen six defensive linemen five edge defenders four linebackers five corners Five safeties, one kicker, one punter, one long snapper, and that made up your 53-man roster. Okay. So let's kind of talk about what we have built here and how we utilize this. I'm going to move the mic. I apologize for the shuffling. I want to be able to see the board here. If you guys watch hard knocks, this, this is nothing new to you. Um, you know, last year's hard knocks, you've seen it. Within their organization, uh, they're in their office building. Uh, Dan Campbell, you know, obviously the Lions head coach, and, and some of the other executives that were uh, there in the room with them, some of the assistant coaches, when they're making out this 53 man roster, they're using a horizontal board the same exact way that we draw up a horizontal board for the draft, right? And in some cases, these teams actually prioritize the players on the list and, and make it look exactly like a draft board. Now, obviously, 53 as opposed to two, three, 400, however many prospects you may have on any given board, because there's multiple boards within the draft room, but it's the same exact principle. You've got, you know, the same concept. You've got the positions listed at the top of the page from left to right. Right. And, and they're listed horizontally. They're they're listed. The players are listed under each position. Right. Each position, like I said, at the top of the list or at the top of the board horizontally, the players are listed underneath it. You know, rookies the way I do my board and I keep this board up until we get into the season for this very reason, because as camp goes on, I like to make little notches. If I hear somebody did something really, really good in camp then what I like to do is kind of put a mark next to it. If they do something bad, I'll put a mark to it. And it kind of – it's like you're tallying a score as you're going along. It's not that it's the tell-all, end-all, but if you get to the end and you're going, man, I wonder how this is going to fall as far as the 53 and the final cuts, well, this guy had a really good camp. Got a lot of green marks there. This guy's got a lot of red marks. That's bad, right? So, to me – the most important aspect of this horizontal board is making sure the rookies are written in green, so you can quickly identify those who have those four-year deals that we're talking about. Teams prioritizing in the cash over cap game. Not to mention these general managers, these uh, scouting, uh, you know, uh, scout the, your your team scouting department guys. Their ego is wrapped up in those picks too. The last thing you want to happen is for you to be a scout or a head scout or a general manager where you stood on the table and said, this guy right here is one of my favorite prospects. I want to draft him, whether it's in the first round or the seventh round. And then all of a sudden he gets cut at the end of camp, and it's like we wasted a draft pick on that guy, and it's on your shoulders. It's on your back, right? That's and I've heard the other day, I think it was Michael Lombardi talking about this. It was fascinating. I, I believe it was Michael Lombardi said that what they being, what they began doing is they had them actually sign off on the players or they had a recording of them talking about what they thought of that player. And the reason they did that was because going into camp or when they drafted a player pre-draft process, These guys were going, oh, I I love that guy. Yeah, no, yeah, he definitely checks the box. And then by the end of camp, it's like, we should have never drafted him. I can't believe we did that. You can go back and go, really? Because right here is when you told me you liked him. And not that they have to do that now, but in the past, that became an issue within front offices. It sounds tedious. It sounds sounds so silly, but that was actually happening across the National Football League because people don't want to own up to their mistakes. Like Bill Belichick says, we're so quick to point out other people's mistakes rather than looking at our own. Right in the heat of the moment, especially when you're trying to prove a point, or or, or you feel like you're backed into the wall, uh, backed into the corner, uh, when it comes to your job, right? So, um, like I said, though, with the horizontal board, um, those rookies are going to be written in green, so we can quickly identify those four-year deals. Now, underneath each positional group of the players is the number we carried last year. So imagine positions listed at the top of the board horizontally, then you've got the players' names written down under each position. The rookies are in green when injuries begin to occur, and we know, guys, it's a part of football It's going to happen, whether it's in camp, a preseason game, whatever. The names will flip to red. Whether they're a rookie or not, you'll know, okay, that guy's injury, that he is a, a prime candidate for the PUP list, the physically unable to perform list to be able to utilize that and or IR to be able to maximize your roster and bring those guys back at a later date. Now, we want to stay away from injuries. I think we would all agree with that, but it's important to understand how that's set up. So underneath each positional group is a number that we carried last year. So as the players are listed under the position, I've got written in red the number that we carried at that position as a quick reference on the board to go, okay, where do do they fall into place here? So then as I list out that depth chart, right, Using the horizontal board, we put a red line underneath that number of however many people they carried at that position. So to give you an example, at the quarterback position, Jordan Love's at the top of the heap, right? I get excited every time I see Jordan Love's name at the top. I don't know, man. I'm I'm really, really, really giddy to to uh, to see what he does this year, man. It, it I think it's just an exciting time to be a Packer fan. Second, I've got uh, Clifford, right, rookie out of Penn State, and then I've got Danny Etling. So I've got Danny Etling below Clifford. Why? He's written in green, four-year deal. We know they were very high, high enough to take him. I believe it was in the fifth round they took him. And then the red mark is under Clifford. Why is that red mark under Clifford? Because we only carried two quarterbacks breaking camp last year, okay? Now, again, I don't know how that new rule is going to be implemented with the quarterback, but we don't want to get hung up on that uh, at this moment right now. So just as a quick reference, I'm trying to paint a picture for you guys of how the board is set up. Now, with that red line underneath, Um, you know, the, uh, the final player cutoff for each position, that's really what's going to be the, uh, the, I don't know, the, uh, the wheel, right. That steers the ship here, right. This is what's, that's, what's going to determine how we get to that final 53. Now let's give the board a look. Let's talk about it in depth all the way across the board at each position. Okay. Quarterback. We've got Clifford over Etling. Why? Because of that four year deal. Okay. You know, there's, he's got zero experience as a backup. That's that's the con to it. The pro is you've got that four-year deal as where you don't have that with Danny Etling. Um, I think we all feel comfortable saying Danny Etling will probably clear waivers and be on the practice squad. Therefore, he is going to be your emergency quarterback, that third active quarterback on game day if that rule does get placed or uh, passed, rather. But regardless, he's going to be your scout team quarterback, along with Clifford, too. Clifford will do a lot of that in practice as well. Now, the, the con with that, like I said... Is Clifford having no experience as a backup. And some of you guys are saying, well, Clayton, if Jordan Love goes down, the season's going to be over anyway. You're exactly right. Um, I think – I don't think that's uh, – I don't think that's an extreme opinion, right? There's a good chance that if Jordan Love does go down, Clifford's not going to be do, able to do anything to salvage the season as far as a playoff run not saying it's impossible we've seen it with Brett we've seen it with several other people I think someone else who might have been a fifth round pick I can't remember I believe Tom Brady was a fifth round pick some of y'all are giggling right now going you trying to compare Clifford (laughs) to Tom Brady but it's just important to understand that zero experience as a backup it has nothing to do with him being able to perform uh you know filling in as a backup in my opinion What a backup quarterback is in 2023, guys, he is the right-hand man to Jordan Love. He is almost, I don't want to say a secretary, but he's like a personal assistant to the starting quarterback. That's the role that they play. That's why you see so many veteran quarterbacks get paid really good money to be a backup quarterback. They're almost like a coach in the quarterback room, right? Now, the good thing is Jordan Love is bringing a lot of experience. And, And what do I mean by that? Obviously, it's not game day experience. He's been around this system. According to Tom Clements and other coaches, he knows this system better than anybody else in the building, right? So he doesn't need someone trying to teach him that. But what he does need is an extra set of eyes, whether it's on the film or even on game day, trying to pick up on stuff. There's, there's NFL Films footage of numerous starting quarterbacks that did this over the years. Tom Brady especially would actually ask his backup and go, hey, Keep an eye on Ed Reed today for me. Tell me what he's doing, okay? Because he can't he can't just key in on Ed Reed. He's running an offense. He's going through progressions. He's making checks at the line. He's canning out of plays. He's giving hand signals, all these things. You just keep an eye on this one guy for me today, okay? It may be as simple as, hey, let me know how late the rotation is out of that too high look meaning at what point on the play clock are they rotating out of that two-high look into their single-high man, their cover three look, their cover six, their cover four, whatever it might be, right? However it is they're playing, whether it's buzz or, or, or whatever, sky, however they're playing their defense, little things like that. Now, if you've got a rookie quarterback coming in and he's going to be the guy to try to pick up on that, his, he's, his head's already swimming, guys. He, I can't imagine he's going to be very effective at doing that. Don't get me wrong. That's great on-the-job training for for Sean Clifford, right? There's no doubt about that. But I think that is something that's worth noting, that he has zero experience as a backup. But nonetheless, at the quarterback position, I think it's hands down Clifford over Etling, barring any injury, okay? So those are going to be your two quarterbacks you carry. Let's move on to halfback. <clears throat> this is where it gets interesting right out of the gate. Lou Nichols, <clears throat> excuse me, is actually below the red line, okay, why is that? The Packers only carried two two halfbacks last year, breaking camp. Why did they do that? They they didn't have any problem. Uh, you know they wasn't worried about lo- losing uh, you know uh, Goodson or or Taylor or any of those guys, right? They knew that hey they'll clear waivers. Nobody's going to pick them up. They felt really confident about that. Well, with Nichols, you've got that four year rookie deal. I think it's safe to say that the Packers are probably going to carry three running backs this year. They don't want to lose that four year deal. Now, Lou Nichols may come out and be hot garbage in camp and they just cut him outright or, or, you know, throw him on the practice squad. That's that's a different tale. If he lives up to where they scouted him, okay, meaning he was worthy of a draft pick, then they're probably going to have him make the roster. So already we're only two positions in and we're going away from the game plan from last year. So if we stuck to the game plan of only carrying two halfbacks on that 53-man roster, Lou Nichols doesn't make the cut. We're going to fudge it here and say it's probably a good chance that they're going to carry three halfbacks, which means we got to make up that position somewhere else in the roster, meaning we've got to take one less than, you know, at a position than we did last year. OK, these are the things that go into making that final 53 and, and having to deviate a little bit away from, um, you know, uh, the norm or how you. You see that blueprint of the 53 man roster falling into place. Sometimes you gotta you gotta make decisions like that. That's why they say it's the the worst day of the year. That final cut down coming out of uh, that uh, you know the week four of the preseason, which is pretty much an extra bye week for the teams. Now that we just play three preseason games, but that's the worst day of the year because you've got you got so much invested in these prospects, and you even get to know them as men, right? You get to you get to uh, you know know a little bit about their personal life, their family, this and that. Those all those things matter. But at the same time, you've got you've got something invested in them. Like you want them to succeed, you want them to work out right because these are the guys you pick. If you find a hidden gem like a, a Sam Shields or or you know in, you know insert any other undrafted free agent and they make the roster and going to have a great career, that might as well be a draft pick on your resume. Okay, um, so with Lou Nichols, my guess is they'll carry three halfbacks. So we got to make a spot up there somewhere else. Let's move on to wide receiver. At the wide receiver position, the big thing that stands out to me here as I look at it, i got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samori Torre, uh, Dontavian Wicks, and Grant DuBose, then Bo Melton. Now what sticks out to me here really, really big is Bo Melton is above the red line. Why is that? He's above the red line because we carried seven wide receivers coming out of camp last year. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that we carried seven wide receivers and we led the league in drop passes. It's like (laughs) – I think we would all – none of us would say those guys would be fighting for a roster spot somewhere else, seeing that the wide receiver room kind of underperformed with the exception of Christian Watson, really, in my opinion. But somehow, some way, we carried seven. I feel really comfortable saying we'll only carry six. We might even carry five, but we'll only carry six this year. With Bo Melton being above that red line, I could see him being the one to, to, to uh, be cut. Okay, and we only carry six wide receivers. So if that was the case, and that's really the only position that I looked at and said, yep, we can can definitely carry six there. We can carry one less than we did breaking camp last year. Um, That's really the only position. It just so happened they were back-to-back that halfback we had one extra, wide receiver we had – I'm sorry, halfback we had uh, one less spot than we actually needed to carry Lou Nichols, and then with wide receiver we had someone that we could part ways with in Bo Melton. So um that kind of washes out there now there's going to be some other issues we come across as we get a little bit later here into the roster um you know uh die, you know uh, digging deeper into the roster, I should say um all right, tight end. Tight end is pretty straightforward. I, I see us carrying forward just like we did last year Josiah Aguara, Tyler Davis and then obviously the two rookies there with Luke musgrave and uh and Kraft. Um, I, I don't see any other scenario where you carry five. You know, you got Pearson, which is basically a fullback. If he still is on the roster, then you got McDonald. I think you'll try to stash some of those guys on the practice squad if you can. And I believe the practice squad is still at as a 16-player limit. If you guys know the answer to that, hit me up. Um, I haven't had time to really dig into if anything has changed since the uh, the COVID rules that were installed there a few years ago. So pretty straightforward with tight end. There's no reason to harp on it. I see those being the four, barring injury, Josiah DeGuarra. Tyler Davis and the two rookies. Now, what would be really cool if somebody cuts a tight end that they have graded significantly higher than Tyler Davis, and you replace him with an even better, uh, you know, player? That I, I would welcome that with open arms as well. So, um, again, just carry him four there. Let's move on to offensive line. Last year, we carried ten offensive linemen. Okay, if uh, if if we carry ten this year, the question is who gets cut? Because the way I see. Offensive line. You've got David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon, and Yosh uh, Nyman as your starters, the way it sits right now. As far as the backup role, you've got Rasheed Walker, three years left on his deal, Zach Tom, three years left on his deal, Jake Hansen, and you've got Royce Newman, which the coaching staff, whether you like him or not, they seem to like him. I know he lost a certain job to run in last year he tried they tried him at right tackle at some point they see something in him to being willing to put him out there as one of the starting five um, I think he's got a good chance to make the roster and you got the big boy Caleb Jones right now outside of that you got uh, you know Gene DeLance you've got Telford you got Sean Ryan you got Velaga, and then you've got uh, Tanuta all right so when you look at that Above the red line, the 10 you have is Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Nijman, Walker, Tom, Hanson, Newman, and Caleb Jones. I've got Sean Ryan below that red line. So you've got to ask yourself, are we going to carry more than 10? Okay. Now, if you only carry 10, what I think it comes down to, the camp battle will be, as far as making the roster, it's going to be between these three guys. It's going to be Jake Hanson, Sean Ryan, and Caleb Jones which one of those 3 would you like to have on your roster? And when you look at it, Ryan has those 3 years left on his deal, right? That's very valuable to the Packers. Um it's it's you know, we're we're talking about the players written in green on the horizontal board right now who have that those rookie contracts at the moment, you know, those 3-year deals, you know, there you go. It's 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 got to be kind of next in line as far as prioritizing, right? Because you're playing cash over cap. You need those minimal contracts. You need to keep them intact. Um, so for me there, as bad as I hate to say it, they'll probably choose Ryan. I mean, Ryan's a third round pick. He thought really, really highly of him. Obviously missed uh, uh, last year with the suspension. He was underperforming before the suspension. We'll see what we got there. My personal favorite is Caleb Jones. I would take Caleb Jones over the other two, but, With the contract situation, I could see Ryan uh, being the pick. So I just wanted to bring that up. Offensive line, if we carry 10, who gets cut? It's probably between those three players. We all know when you're playing in the trenches at the NFL level, injuries are going to occur an injury will probably make that decision a lot easier for us, um, you know, by the time camp ends. Let's just hope it's nothing catastrophic or a player like Bach, Elton, um, any of those guys that we're planning on leaning on as starters. So uh, that's your offensive side of the ball. What we're going to do is take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we're going to highlight the defense. Again, I just want to mention people reaching out. You can support the show if you want to support the show as little as, you know, every, every little, you know, every dollar is welcome. Okay. Anything you want to do to help support the show, we appreciate it. I'd tell you a penny if they'd let you just donate a penny. I don't know how that works, but you can find us at patreon.com forward slash Clayton Bailey. Once again, play to the big team before Packer uh, Packers total access. Make sure you guys are supporting Ryan and PackerNet Podcast before you support this show. But I'm going to mention it because, like I said, people were asking. Now, let's take us a quick commercial break. When we get back on the other side, we're going to hit the defense and, and kind of talk about how we see that unfolding.
0: We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: All right. So the defensive side of the ball, let's start with defensive line, okay? Uh, understand the way I break this down, I've got defensive line and edge defenders. So these are the big boys, all right? These are the, the 280, 290 plus, uh, you know, 290 pound plus. These are the guys who are going to be playing on the interior. I'm not talking about edge defenders. I've got it broken down, defensive line, then edge, which is typically your outside linebackers, then linebacker, which is typically your inside linebackers. That's kind of how the league has evolved. Um, you know, it's funny, way back in the day you had defensive end, defensive tackle, then linebacker, because typically uh, teams ran a lot of 4-3 defenses. But well, now we're in a 34 look where you need those bigger bodies that are going to play a gap and a half to two gaps uh, within the run fit. Um, so we're going to just break it down, defensive line, edge, and linebacker. Let's start with defensive line um last year we carried six defensive linemen okay um carrying six seems pretty straightforward to me if they choose to carry six uh everyone's seen the field last year other than brooks that are above the red line and brooks has got that rookie deal i think we feel pretty safe saying that he's going to make the team you know on the defensive line you've got kenny clark devontae Wyatt, tj slayton chris slayton uh, then you've got Brooks. I've got him slightly above Jonathan Ford, although Jonathan Ford's going to play a little bit different role than Brooks, but Jonathan Ford having that big body playing more of a nose role. So the way I see that unfolding, all of those guys are above the red line. Now, let's say you only chose to carry five. I think I think that's probably not going to happen. I think they'll go with six. But if you went with five, who would you cut? Would you cut Kenny Clark? No. Would you cut Devontae Wyatt? No. TJ Slayton? No. Chris Slayton? No. Um, Brooks absolutely not. He's a rookie right with that four-year deal. Jonathan Ford. I'm not saying I'm not saying that that nothing is off the table here, okay They may surprise us with a crazy cut or a trade. but the way that looks there, none of those are appealing to me to go ah right, we can do without them. Maybe Chris Layton maybe. but then again, he showed some flashes. And they leaned on him quite a bit last year. I think you're going to roll with those six most likely. So it's pretty straightforward at the defensive line position. Let's move on to edge. This is going to sound so silly, but when I looked at the edge defender room, this was the toughest. You know, last year we carried five edge defenders, okay? And when you look at the way the board sets up this year for the edge defense, uh, you know, the edge position, you got Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, J.J. Inigbare, you've got Wooten, the uh, the new rookie edge rusher that a lot of people were getting really excited about. Some were saying he might put on a little weight and play defensive line. I've got him in the edge room right now. We'll see what they look to do at camp. Um, but what gets interesting is that's where the red line hits. After that, you've got Hollins. You've got Wilson. You've got Hamilton and Garvin. All four of those guys, you know the Packers are high on. So are you going to carry more than five edge defenders? That's the question. And what's crazy is When you look at that edge room, I'm like, man, I can see Hollins, Wilson, Hamilton, or Garvin making this roster, right? You know the Packers are high on them. They've shown some promise in the past. What I realized doing this exercise, which is why I love doing this type of stuff, is we're pretty deep at edge. Like, think about it. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, those are your starters. Some would suggest Lucas Van Ness may be better than Preston Smith right now. We'll see how – We'll see how that plays. You know, Preston Smith had a down year last year. It wouldn't take a whole lot for Lucas Van Ness to outplay Preston Smith at last year's level. We know he's raw, though, right? We we do think he's a little bit further along, like Ryan said. I completely agree. I feel like he's further along than Rashawn Gary was when he was drafted. But at the same time, you've got to kind of curb the enthusiasm and understand it's going to take a little bit of time. When we talked to Mike Wall on the podcast, he was talking about him being raw, Right. He's got some some great tools to work with, but it's going to take a little time to transition. Um, then J.J. Igbari, who filled in for Rashawn Gary last year, and I think we would all agree J.J. Igbari played pretty good, right? It's going to be hard to cut him loose. Wooden, like I said, a lot of people were excited about that draft pick. You don't want to give up that four-year deal. And then when you get into Hollins, Wilson, Hamilton, and Garvin, it's like, dang, dude, that's there's some tough decisions to be made right here, man. Um, so – you know, like I said, we're extremely, extremely deep at backup, you know, as far as the edge position goes, do we carry more than five, you know, and that's going to come down to, like I said, Hollins, Wilson, Hamilton, and Garvin. something to think about as we go through OTAs and get ready for camp. These are the decisions that the coaches are going to have to really decide on. Let's move to linebacker linebacker. You've got Tariq Carpenter. He seems to have replaced Barnes uh, at the linebacker position. A lot of people, uh, there's been some people that are hush on it. I've heard other people openly talk about, now. Tariq Carpenter's openly said he is now a linebacker. He's no longer a safety. Um, we're going to talk about the safety room here in a minute, and it's loaded with guys that could potentially make the roster. That's going to be the biggest camp battle I'm going to look for. Um, so with that being said, with how many people are on the roster there and at the safety position, and you got Tariq Carpenter now moving to linebacker with that three year three years left on his rookie deal, that seems to make sense that he has replaced Barnes. Now the the name that that I'm having a hard time with is uh is Cox, right? You know, the guy that that was drafted or I'm sorry was signed as an undrafted free agent. You guys know he was supposed to be a stud coming out of high school. He played for two different programs. I think he got kicked off both teams. I think it might have been Florida and Georgia. I'm not 100% sure, but he's just a very interesting prospect. You can tell that he's got all the natural talent, uh, you know, talent and ability, you know, in the world. But he obviously has just made stupid bonehead decisions, and they're taking a chance on this guy, right, inviting him to camp. They're taking a chance to see, hey, let's see if he can keep his head on straight here. So you're, I think you're going to see flash plays from him in the preseason. I think you're going to hear uh, camp talk about how good Cox is. But it's can he can he put it all together between the years, right? That's the question. So if you were going to carry five linebackers um, and just assuming that Tariq Carpenter – makes the team what you're looking at is devondre campbell quay walker isaiah mcduffie who isaiah mcduffie's a great special teams player and then Tariq carpenter and then you're looking at banks cox and phillips cox is the one that really really stands out to me so i'm eager to see what he does in camp that's one of the players i'm going to put on the list and go hey let's see if he shows all that talent he had that obviously he just couldn't put it together because he was a knucklehead off the field right and i and if i understood correctly he didn't get along with teammates, things like that. So, you know, it's obvious Green Bay took a flower and said, hey, look, let's let's give him a shot. Let's just go after him. I'm glad they didn't spend a draft pick on him. To the best of my knowledge, they didn't. I'm almost 100% certain I don't have the information put up that he was an undrafted free agent. But with that being the case, what, do you, what, could, what could it hurt to bring him in, right? This may be the opportunity he needs to get his life on track, and we all know some things are bigger than football. So um, that's the thing that stands out to me at the linebacker position. Carpenter seems to have replaced Barnes. And uh Cox is a very interesting prospect you want to keep your eye on. Now, cornerback, cornerback position. If you only had to carry five, it comes down to Shamar Jean Charles and the rookie Valentine. I've heard some people say Valentine, Valentine. Um, this is Carrington, uh, you know, from uh from the University of Kentucky, my Wildcats. Um, it's gonna come down to those two guys, right? And I could see uh Valentine Valentine replacing. Uh, John Charles. I could. Um, I could see that happening. Right now, I've got Valentine below that red line, which also dubs the question because when you look at the cornerback position, you've got Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, Eric Stokes, Keyshawn Nixon. Then you've got John Charles and you've got um, Valentine. So when you look at those guys, do you carry six? You know, the thing that sticks out to me about Shamar Jean Charles is he in college had a high PFF grade. He, he actually, his, his tape looked pretty good in college, but he hasn't been able to crack the lineup much in Green Bay, right? So it's kind of like, I guess it didn't transition or are they not giving him enough of a chance, right? Those are the questions that need to be answered. And is it worth it to, to lose out on Valentine's four-year rookie contract to keep that guy around in hopes that he does, you know, put it together? Also, could you carry six corners? It's possible, but keep in mind, we're already we're already broke even right now, okay? We've already broke even. Let's assume we don't carry Brenton Cox at the linebacker position. So we're broke broken even because we carried one extra halfback than we did last year. We went from two to three, but we're cutting one wide receiver from last year, going from seven to six and cutting Bo Melton. So now you're broke even, which means the cornerback position, you've got to carry five. If you carry six, then you've got to make that roster spot up somewhere else. These are the things that are going to come into play when you're trying to look at who's getting reps and who isn't in training camp, right? You've got to you gotta make these decisions in real time. So I think that is the thing to to uh you know, the two questions you want to kind of uh keep your your uh, your finger on the pulse there is are you gonna carry more than five? And if you are only carrying five, you're not going to six, um, do you wanna keep Shamar Jean Charles or try to stash Valentine on your practice squad and and potentially lose? that four-year rookie contract now on to safety i'm not gonna lie man the safety position when i looked at it it gave me anxiety (laughs) you guys know how i was last year it was so frustrating seeing them force darnell savage out there at the safety position and and him grade out there was only one or two other safeties that graded out worse than him right and if i understand understood correctly somebody said the other day that their new free agent uh, signing there, uh, Jonathan Owens, was actually one, one of, if not the only player that graded lower than Dornell Savage. And it's funny because I see some people talking to, like, oh, Jonathan Owens, I think he's really underrated. I think he could be a great player. And I'm going, you guys play Madden, don't you? <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because when you look at the rating system in Madden, he's rated like a 72, which is, fairly decent for someone who had such a horrible PFF grade and and just has, in my opinion, underperformed. And I'm not trying to knock him. He may come out and do exactly what Russell Douglas did, do exactly what Rudy Ford did, do exactly what Devondre Campbell did. I welcome it with open arms. I just haven't seen anything on tape to suggest, hey, we might be getting that, right? But one thing's for sure, this is going to be a camp battle, man. That position – what Green Bay did was they decided not to dip into free agency and they decided not to go uh, to uh, overdraft the safety position and take Brian Branch. Like you guys know, I would have been all about that. Although some people see him as a corner, i seen him as a safety, seen him as someone who could play in the box, can tackle well. I think he could play that safety role. They chose not to go that route. So what they did was they just scatter shot. I mean, they brought in several people. When you look at that safety position, you've got people across the board. You, you know, they bring in Tarvarius Moore. They bring in Jonathan Owens, right? They also drafted Anthony Johnson. And, and there's some people saying, don't be surprised if Anthony Johnson cracks the starting lineup. That blew my mind because I'm like, how did he last that long? Although on my draft board, I did have him really high from where he was picked at. Um, like he should have been picked much sooner, but, at the same time, you've got Rudy Ford, Darnell Savage, you got Anthony Johnson, you've got Tarvarius Moore, you got Jonathan Owens. Those are the five that I've got above the red line. Okay. So you're going, okay, that don't sound so deep to me, Clayton. Well, let me tell you who's outside of that. You've got Enos Gaines, right? Made the roster last year. You've got Dallin Levitt, which we all know they love on special teams. It's it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where Dallin Levitt doesn't make this roster simply because of special teams and his connection to Rich Bisaccia, the special teams coordinator, right? And you got Morgan and you got Benny Sapp. So when I look at these, I'm like, man, that safety. First of all, who are your starters? I'll wait and let you answer. <laughs> Is it Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage? Are we going to once again march Darnell Savage out there? Some of you are going, no, Darnell Savage finished the year playing slot. Yeah, you're right. But remember what LaFleur said, Keyshawn Nixon will be playing slot. So if Keyshawn Nixon is playing slot slot corner, does that mean Savage go back to safety? Do they have a plan to trade Darnell Savage so they can get that $8 million off the books and roll it into the cap next year? These are all questions that are going to be answered really, really soon. I don't know, man. I'm getting the feeling that they're, they're going to march Savage out there. Guys, you heard me last year. I don't need to explain to you how I feel about that. But as I said last year, Let's hope, he turns, let's hope he turns it around. God, it's such a tough pill to swallow because it's like, what do we see? What, you know, the only thing worse than making a bad draft pick, and in this case a first-round pick on a guy who's underperformed, is not admitting, is refusing to admit you made that mistake. And, again, I'm not sitting here saying I understand, you know, football player evaluation better than Brian Gutekunst and, and the lowest person on his staff. I'm, I, I know I don't. It's just I, I'm sitting here scratching my head going, help me understand what am I missing here, right? So that's kind of how the safety room sits. And it's like, man, I'm seeing at the cornerback position, possibly carrying one more than we did last year, right? Carrying six as opposed as opposed to five. In the safety room, I'm seeing them carry at least six as opposed to five. That means we got to cut two players somewhere else. Where's that cut going to happen, you know? I've already got Sean Ryan below the red line, you know, they don't want to give up on a third round pick. So if he slides above the red line, you're now carrying 11 offensive linemen as opposed to 10. Does that mean you cut Hansen? Does that mean you cut Caleb Jones? It's going to be a tough camp. Every year, it's hard to predict what the roster is going to look like. It seems like it gets harder every year. You know, obviously, you're going to carry one kicker. Like I mentioned earlier, they cut Parker White, right? So Andres Carlson's the only kicker on the team right now. Have a hard time believing they're not going to bring in another camp leg. Not that they'll compete with a draft pick, which was Anders Carlson, which we know Anders Carlson, um, a big rich Pasaccio guy. Rich Pasaccio went down there, got a uh, you know look at him, and uh, obviously uh, had his uh, you know had coached his brother at kicker um, back with, back with his day in the Raiders. So he's got that tie to the family. He thinks very very highly of Anders Carlson, which is a monster. I mean, six foot five frame, I believe. Um, dealt with injuries. I'm eager to see what he can do. But right now you just got that one, so you just released Parker White. You only got one kicker on the roster. I think they're moving forward with Andrews Carlson. Um, You know, the other thing that just popped in my mind, and this is kind of off-cuff, it wasn't in my notes. I didn't think about it. But, you know, Mason Crosby the other day, his wife had mentioned, um, basically put out a tweet um, talking about how great Green Bay's been and made it sound as if he would never be back. And then she deleted that tweet. Why did she delete the tweet? There was nothing negative there. It was all positive things. The only thing I could think of, the only only negative aspect of that tweet would be is, is it does it look like they're trying to close the door on Green Bay when there's a chance that Mason Crosby could come back to Green Bay, right? So if that's the case, if there's a chance Mason gets signed back in Green Bay, that makes sense why you cut Parker White. And you let Anders Carlson go through his first offseason, and maybe you carry two kickers. I mean, that that sounds silly, right? But there's been cra- crazier things have happened in the past when it comes to 53 man cutdowns. downs. Um, as it sits right now, I think I think we're overthinking it a bit. We being me, I'm not trying to. You, you guys are going we. You, you got a mouse in your pocket. I didn't say that. <laughs> I think we better stick with just one kicker, Anders Carlson, and let's not even not even think about Mason Crosby unless unless until we hear you know that there's a, a little bit of smoke around that. Um Punter Pat O'Donnell, pretty straightforward. Not necessarily for his punting ability, but man, I remember, guys, it was it was just uh, a little over a year ago how uh, you know how, how bad the holding game got when it come to kicking field goals and extra points, and that got completely cleaned up last year with the addition of Pat O'Donnell. And why did we sign Pat O'Donnell? Because of his ties to Rich Passaccia. That was another recommendation that they made, just like Rudy Ford was a recommendation just like Keyshawn Nixon was a recommendation. Rich Passaccia, guys, is invaluable when it comes to this team. Everything that he has suggested has worked out for the Packers special teams, right? So with that being said, maybe we do need to trust the Anders Anders Carlson uh, pick, right? Who knows, man? Maybe this is a gem. Maybe, the, maybe we look up and we got the, kick, the kicker of the future for the next 10 years. That's pretty exciting. Um, when I look at the statistics, I look at the data, uh, not necessarily look at the tape. You can tell if a player you know, makes a kick or not just looking through statistics. I don't personally see it, but Rich Basacci vouching for him. And immediately I think Rudy Ford, I think Keyshawn Nixon, I think Dallin Levitt, I think Pat O'Donnell get you kind of excited about the kicker, right? So the final position is long snapper, Matt Orzik. Obviously, we released Jack Coco, who was our long snapper last year. That really says a lot because, again, the operational aspect of the kicking game last year got fixed by bringing in Jack Coco and then obviously uh, having Pat O'Donnell hold and having the veteran kicker in Mason Crosby. Really cleaned special teams up very nicely as far as the kicking game goes. So now you release Jack Coco, you sign, sign Matt, you sign Matt Orzik and then you release Jack Coco. What's that tell you? They definitely believe they have a strong upgrade at the long snapper position. So they didn't rest on their laurels, right, coming into this year and go, okay, we fixed that last year. Let's just bring them back. They tried to find ways to get even better. And with Anders Carlson, it's – we know Mason's getting a little bit older, although he had a great year, but with Anders Carlson – a lot cheaper than Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby you know could make anywhere from two and a half million to five million a year if he does get signed and he's probably waiting on an injury would be my guess um, not necessarily with the Packers but you know with other teams across the league and if I understood correctly now he's got a home down here in Tennessee uh, fairly close to where we're at um, not that he would sign with the Titans, but it's kind of like it it seems like Green Bay's a long shot for him to come back and if anders Carlson does turn out to be, the kicker of the future, then, man, we're in a good spot because of that four-year rookie deal, right? So that's how the horizontal board, as far as setting the stage, the uh this long road to the final 53-man roster, it all begins with 90 men, right? But I hopefully gave you a little bit of insight, and this is an exercise I've been wanting to do, and this is just a OTA pre-camp primer. That's how I see the roster right now you got several questions across the board. Probably going to carry three halfbacks instead of two. Probably only going to carry six wide receivers as opposed to seven, right? Nothing really out of the ordinary there at the tight end position. A quarterback, Sean Clifford, has no experience as a backup quarterback at the NFL level. That's going to be a weakness. We can't trick ourselves into thinking it isn't, right? Danny Etling will be on the practice squad. Tight end pretty straightforward, like we said. Offensive line, do you carry 11, and if so, you got to cut it another position. Do you only carry nine and make yourself a little bit weak, hoping you could stash someone like a Luke Tenute on practice squad and then activate him on game day? Are you carrying Sean Ryan because right now he's below the red line? Do you cut Jake Hansen and replace him with Sean Ryan? Um, another thing is center. Who's going to be your backup center? God forbid Josh Myers goes down or if Zach Tom does win the starting center job and then – Josh Myers has to step in. Who is that emergency center? Who can play that, right? Um, At the defensive line position, like I said, um, pretty straightforward. We carried six last year. I think the six above the red line will make the cut. Uh, Edge defender, you carried five last year. That's kind of tough on me because of Hollins, Wilson, Hamilton, and Garvin. Linebacker, uh, pretty straightforward now that Tariq Carpenter has pretty much been listed as a linebacker. Uh, Brenton Cox is the guy that you really want to keep your eye on as a prospect that has all the talent in the world. It's just – got to get it get it together between the years and then uh cornerback is going to be a mess you got valentine below the red line right now do you just cut john charles and carry valentine um and then of course uh yeah Keandre thomas down there as well we didn't even talk about him uh he's below the red line and then it's safety man we only carried five last year and i could see them making a case for carrying seven this year so It's going to be interesting, man. You're going to get tips and stuff coming out of OTAs. Like I said, all that's uh, coming underway right now. I'm really excited to see how everything unfolds. Hopefully this made sense for you. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I just wanted to kind of uh, you know, set the stage for OTAs and uh, and pre-training uh, camp. So appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out with us. I'm going to get out of here. Again, if you guys want to support the show, you know how to do that at patreon.com. I wouldn't mention it if other people weren't asking. It feels awkward. I don't like to self-promote, but Uh, any any little bit of help you guys want to give to the show we'll welcome it i don't want to rob that blessing from other people because i know there's things that that i like to support and i feel like i'm a part of a part of the solution when it comes to something like man i really wish we had this within the community i really wish we could do that um so we appreciate everybody who supports the show as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back go
0: for jordan love 37 here he is throwing the middle it's caught by watson he's got great speed turning the corner Watson down the sideline and he will score. Whoa! Hang on! Love to Watson to a one score game. This one is the stunner. You basically feel like right, the Eagles team sort of has this thing under control and then Christian Watson hits the Jets <laughs> again. Six touchdowns down in the last three games. He is really something when he gets in the open field and running. That was some throw by Jordan Love too.